Welcome to Between the Sessions. This is a podcast for meetings industry professionals, and I'm your host, Suzanne Boyd, coming to you from beautiful Palm Beach County in Florida. And joining us today is a true meetings industry professional, and that's what this podcast is all about, to give you trends and insights into the meetings industry. Our guest is Carol McGurry. She is the Executive Vice President of Event and Education Services at Smith Buckland. Hi, Carol. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my gosh, Suzanne. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Well, we are so excited that you're here because I'm sure that you have so much insight into this industry. You've been in it for a very long time. It looks like you've been with Smith Buckland for 35 years. I know. I started when I was 10, Suzanne. So let's just be clear here. (laughs) So tell us a little bit about um, yourself, how you got into the industry. Well, um, so I, so I have been at Smith Buckland. It'll be 35 years this summer, and um, I happened into the company actually not through the uh, event services um, uh, profession, but in another part of our business. And then in 2011, and to, actually 2013 is when I became uh, the, the the oversight of all things event services. We have about a hundred business event professionals. We have another 30 people who touch and design education. We have another 45 people who touch sales, all in support of delivering event experiences. And so um, it's been an incredible journey, an incredible opportunity, working with a great team here at the company, but also folks from the industry that I've built really great um, friendships over the years. So you said you got into a different part of the company. What part was that? Well, I was working, um, I, I worked in what would be like a membership part of an association support oh, okay. system, and then eventually became uh, a CEO of several different associations along the way. So a little bit of an, an unorthodox entry into events. Most people come in and that's where they start their career. Um, I would say I'm ending my career there um, in, uh, you know, working and serving associations, primarily uh, delivering events. Well, you were on that side, so it must make servicing your clients, you know, um, very easy because you've seen it from both sides as well. It does. I, I, I like to coin, I, I like to think of myself as the executive director whisperer. So <laughs> thinking, you know, when I'm positioning my team, whether it's one of our executive directors who works at Smith Buckland or it's uh, one of our outsourced client organizations, having them think. Um, and learn from some of the things that I experience, some of the things I look for um, as a CEO for associations and better preparing them for those conversations. Give us a high level overview of Smith Buckland. What do you all do? Well, you know, the, you know, I like to say we unlock the power of human networks by enabling associations, societies, communities to really deliver and move industries forward and their professions forward. That's probably a fancier way of saying, like, we enable our associations to deliver innovative experiences for their communities. Um, The reason that Smith Buckland is here talking about this is because a very visible way that we do that is through the events. And we run, you know, about 150 events and trade shows annually. It's been a busy quarter. We've had uh, just over 40 events that we've executed. And so we do that by enabling our associations, um, you know, to, to bring these experiences to their communities that enable them to feel like they're part of something bigger and they are part of something bigger. 
and it brings their membership and their and engagement with these associations meaning. You said you had a team of 100. Is that what you said? We have a team of 100 event professionals, folks who what they do every day is whether they're an event designer. Um, we have a whole design team called 360 Live Media. Um, all they well, they do marketing, branding, but they also deliver event design. We have our business event professionals who do all the execution parts, run trade shows. Um, we have again education designers. We have sales strategy and individuals who execute sales. If you add up all of that, it's it's about 200 professionals. Wow. So you guys have a major impact on this industry. Absolutely. And again, you know, the way that I equate that, we just talked about, I know you just celebrated with your first podcast, uh, Global Meetings Industry Day. We talked about the economic impact of what we do and how we help our associations deliver that, you know, through the various different cities and states and countries that um, we deliver events in. And it's pretty significant. So for anyone who maybe is newer to the industry, give me a brief overview of, of citywide meetings. What is a citywide meeting and what are some of the opportunities for that? Well, so a citywide meeting is when you are working with multiple hotel properties, typically um, the convention center in the location. And so we've done citywides you know, in, in the Palm beaches, which have been amazing by the way. Um, and <laughs> we're glad and, to hear, <laughs> yes, and, you know, I can expand on that more, but, um, citywide are where you take up, mul- you, you will take up multiple hotel properties and you, you know, depending upon the size of your citywide, you may take over the city or you may be a, a significant contributor to attendees, to spend in the city, to leveraging, you know, resources within the city and to really driving experiences that when you say citywide, it's really getting your attendees, your exhibitors, your speakers, your sponsors, the whole ecosystem of those who are participating in your event to get out into the city to experience what the city has to offer. And so citywides can be, you know, typically are several thousand people. Um, the size and scale, the types of meetings that, that we execute could be from a few hundred to upwards of over 25,000. Um, and so uh, a citywide brings you a lot of value because you can have very robust business conversations with your partners in the city. Um, In this instance, you know, the Palm Beaches or whomever your CVB is to talk about how you maximize the opportunity for your attendees in that city. And I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot more challenges with the citywide meeting than in. Oh, you bet. The complexity, yeah, the complexity, you know, needing to, again, engage your local partners, which, you know, would be one of the things I know that hopefully we'll talk about in terms of how do you, what are some of the hints and tips for managing a citywide, but being able to, um, you know, leverage your local partners to have busing, to have um, obviously leveraging the right types of both in-property and external food outlets, opportunities to experience the city with different activities, whether it's, you know, recreational, sports, theater, music, arts, all of the above, outdoor venues. Those are all the things that you would work with your local partners to really try to maximize what you're doing with your citywide. What are associations and groups looking for right now in those citywide meetings? Like what are some of the buzz activities or what are they, what are they looking for? Well, you know, what we're seeing is a a citywide, again, just in pure volume will, will tend to bring in more people. What citywide, what we believe citywide attendees want is they want a big show, but they want to feel small. 
They want to be able to have those unique, intimate opportunities where they're not just part of, you know, a 10,000 person experience, but that they can have unique food opportunities. And so leveraging the local dining options and, and whether not really doing dine arounds, but what we'll do with a lot of citywides is we try to harness local restaurants and bring them into the property, like maybe on the show floor um, or bring in local food trucks or, you know, depending on the venue, being able to capture the vibe of the local um, environment and bring it to the show. But then also enabling people to, again, have those intimate opportunities, whether that be tours with local theaters or museums, um, you know, outings that will be, uh, you'll be able to experience in smaller groups versus getting on a bus and going across the city with 10,000 people. People like that. We highly recommend it. But feeling small in the big show is one of the trends that we're seeing. So what advice do you have for planners? Because I'm sure there's a lot, I mean, I assume, but maybe I'm assuming wrong that most, um, you know, meetings and conferences are happening, um, in-house at a hotel. So what, what advice do you have for those planners that then are looking to move to maybe a bigger scale event, uh, convention center, a citywide format? Well, some, some hints and tips on that, or, or maybe lessons learned. And also I wouldn't say words of wisdom, I'll just say words would be, uh, to make sure that you are rethinking your planning timeline. You need to, for a citywide, you need to start a little bit earlier because just obviously there's a little bit more complexity with having a center, potentially having one to two to three different hotel properties that you need to coordinate. You need to consider, are there any logistical opportunities, challenges with moving to a, to a center um, because of the fact that you'll have to maybe have transportation that you didn't think before? Are you going to have... Um, you know, people have moving from three different hotels, and then you're going to want to have some way to collect them at the center. So your flow of your center footprint is going to change a little bit. Um, also, really thinking about how do you leverage your partners in the city? That would be the first phone call I would make, is to talk with your partners to say, okay, we're moving into a different pattern. What have you seen before? And, and certainly your center partners are first and foremost. What have you seen before? What has been um, what has worked well, what has not worked well, how do we leverage some of those learnings, even for some of the experiences within the center? Um, how do we maybe do micro experiences in the hotels? You might do satellite registration so that folks don't have to go and spend time in a 15,000 person line at the convention center. Maybe you do it at the airport, you do it at um, your various hotels. So the advanced planning is the first thing picking up and using your Rolodex, old school, using your Rolodex or your mobile phone list of contacts to call on your partners in the city to say, hey, let me, can I pick your brain a little bit? Can I talk? And then also other um, planners that have had experiences in those cities. So specifically when you're talking about the timeline, like what are you looking, wh what, when do you start planning these things? A year in advance, six months in advance? I mean, what does that look like for- I would say a year and a half. Wow. Um, for sure, you know, to just start laying the groundwork for the types of things that you're going to need to be looking for. So what is the typical advanced planning for, say, an in-house meeting? Uh, well, depending on the size and scale, it could be six months. It could be a year, but it's probably typically six to nine months uh, in advance of when that show is going to happen. The year and a half is just, again, kind of a, a guideline. And really, it's because, again, you have... You have a lot of other players you have to bring to the table. 
when you're in-house, you may be using in-house AV, you may not be, but everything is contained. Your food and beverage is there. Your, you, you, you know the flow of the, of the, of the property. Um, you're not doing any busing, so you, your logistics are pretty basic. Um, and so it's really working with a set team, typically. When you're doing a citywide or working with a center, you bring a whole new team of individuals. That is great because you want to leverage them and have them be part of the conversation. Um, but it just, you need to just start because you're going to have to troubleshoot some things. You know, we've had instances where, you know, a lot of things have been lifted and shifted because of COVID. And so there might be other um, events happening in the city that would have an impact on, again, your busing, your offsite venues of things that you might be planning to do. So again, the sooner you start planning, the better. And are those questions you're asking the 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 cities and and the tourism boards that are that are helping you through this process? Like, are there other events that are happening within the city? I mean, are these all things that you need to be thinking of Absolutely. ahead of this? Absolutely, you should always be whether you're in whether you're on property and you're a hotel event. You should also know. Who else? Like we have a proprietary contract through Smith Buckland. And one of the clauses that we have is that we have the right to refuse business that might be competitive to the type. Because we manage across almost every vertical, we have the right to refuse the hotel taking that business if it happens to be competitive. Sort of like that in the citywide, you know, we wouldn't want to be, if we were running one of our tech events, we wouldn't want a competitive tech event in the center at the same time. So we'd want to know that in advance. We'd want to understand what else is happening in the city. As I said earlier, what's happening in the center to understand, do we have the whole center? Do we have the whole West wing, South wing, you know, East wing, like how the flow of our people, are we going to be walking through another show to get to our space? So knowing all of those things in advance and then okay, is it, is the world series going to be happening at the same time? So nobody's <laughs> going to be able to you know, get taxis or Ubers and the cost of an Uber is going to be a hundred bucks to go three blocks. Like knowing as much of those details in advance will help with your planning um, horizon. Driving attendance at these citywide meetings. Are there any, any advice for your clients on, on, on how to drive attendance? Yeah, I think, you know, what we do, and I'm proud to say we do quite well, is the is really understanding the needs of the audience. I talked earlier about making a large event feel small. Well, understanding the personas of the, the desired attendees and um, the prospective exhibitors and sponsors that would participate in the event and really tailoring your market, marketing outreach to them. Again, also leveraging the marketing arm of your um, CBB. The Palm Beaches, I know, has been a great partner in helping with understanding what's happening in the local environment. So, you know, big, a lot of big medical um, is, is in the Palm Beaches. So we are, when we have a medical show and we're in the Palm Beaches, we'll leverage their knowledge to say, can we market to those individuals? Who do you know? Can we leverage some speakers from some of these local companies? So really having that partnership and knowing how to leverage your CBB can also help you with social media, what's happening in the city. Again, maybe there's positives to also what's happening in the city to be able to say, if you're coming to the show, you can also potentially participate in some of these non-event related activities. So it's knowing your customer, tailoring your marketing program, leveraging your partner in the CBB uh, from a marketing perspective, and also 
how can you leverage some of the local businesses that you might be able to attract attendees or, or leverage for content? I saw um, in your bio that pre-pandemic, you were named as a woman of influence, and it had to do with making the meetings industry more attractive to millennials. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? So, so you know, pre-pandemic, and I would say probably for years, meeting meet, the meeting planning profession in the latest study is that we're the third most stressed out group of people. Oh, geez. Yeah, like <laughs> firefighters and, you know, there's someone else, probably doctors, who are the most stressed out. So with that, we tend to wear that on our sleeve and, oh, my God, it's so hard and it's so difficult and the challenges and, and all of those things. And we need to turn that message around, especially when there still is a, a, a talent shortage and being able to talk about the opportunity to be in this industry and all the value, the experiences, the rewards of working directly with customers, going you know, to obviously great places, um, being able to experience local cities that people might not have the opportunity to do, and really explaining to the next gen, whether at that time it was millennial, uh, but the next generation of why you'd wanna build a career in this business. and you know, in, in this um, talent war, folks don't stay at a company like me for 35 years. It's, I'm, I'm lucky if I'm there two, three, two years, three years. And so how do we get them into this business and enable them to see the runway where they can be the future leaders of organizations like a Smith Buckland event services team? It's really talking about the experiential aspect that I think resonates with a lot of the next gen folks in terms of also, how do you make a difference? It's connecting the dots. How do you make a difference? If I'm working in a big tech show, how am I making a difference? Well, you are. You are making a difference because you're helping move industry forward. There are people who are benefiting from the learning and education that's happening at those events. There's also an incredible economic impact that you're leaving on the city or you're, you're enabling by bringing an event to a city um, that helps you know drive revenue to that city, employ people in the city. So, so many ways to show how you can make a meaningful difference by entering this profession. Let's talk about sponsorship dollars because obviously that's something very important when we're dealing when we're talking about these meetings and especially citywide meetings. How can um, planners leverage those opportunities at citywide meetings to drive that that sponsorship revenue, and and also provide value for those sponsors? So again, the way that we approach sponsorship is to sit down with a potential sponsor, talk about what are their marketing goals for the year? You know, what are they trying to achieve? For some sponsors, it could be, we're launching a new brand, so we want our brand everywhere. Wonderful. We've got great opportunity for you because we can, again, work with our partners at the CBB to identify opportunities, whether it be on, you know, cabs, buses, Ubers, you know, um, lining the, the center streets at the airport within the center, you know, branding, branding pillars, you know, floor clings, creating, you know, gobos, or if there's built in uh, digital signage, being able to leverage that, like all these different opportunities using the city. If it's, um, if it's a, a organization that's saying, you know, my brand's out there, but I just, I really want to target a specific type of person. Then, then you tailor that within the center, or you can tailor that even within the hotel, you know, the multiple hotels that you're going to be working with to be able to say, okay, you know, you might have sub blocks. And so you can tailor specific things to sub blocks. 
So it's really understanding, again, who your audience is and then doing that matchmaking with your sponsors and then leveraging the amazing assets that cities have to be able to really bring a brand to life. So future, let's talk about the future. What trends are you expecting or seeing in citywide meetings? I, other I than say, the, you, you talked about the trying to make it feel small, but other than that, what are you seeing? Yeah, I think, um, so it, this could pertain to citywide, could also pertain to smaller events, but sustainability is now not just a nice to have, it's a must have. And especially with the next gen audience, you know, as, as you, if you are, if you're listening and you're thinking about the life cycle of your association and kind of the demographics of your audience, and you're really trying to attract the next gen attendee, sustainability is really, really critical. And it's not just saying, you know, we're going to reuse, we're going to have, we're, we're going to have water, water bottles and we're not going to use plastic. Yes. That's almost like table stakes. It's how are you measuring the impact and being able to then share it with your attendees, you know, really, truly walking the talk is really critical. And then also just events that have meaning. Like again, back in the day and the day is long time ago is, you know, it was about maybe networking and learning some things, but now it's like, how am I giving back? How am I making a difference by attending this event? And so incorporating meaningful experiences, whether they're about health and wellness. And I know Palm Beach is all about that. And we've been able to leverage that um, when we've been in the Palm Beaches to be able to say, let's build out something, more of a program that will address you and that will make a difference on your health. Then also on a bigger scale, how do you make a difference again for the city, how are you making a difference for the people that are attending? It's it's more feeling. Yes, there's a business aspect that's always going to be there. Yes, there's a learning aspect, but now it's a little more squishy in terms of how attendees are looking and deciding where they're going to go and why they're going to go and incorporating some of these new trends, I think is important to help them make decisions. Well, and I think that goes across the board. I mean, I think it's also why we're having, you know, struggle getting talent across all industries because people are really looking at their lives and thinking, you know, is this making a difference in my life or or does this have meaning? And I think that is probably translating into to all industries, including the meetings industry. I would I would agree. And especially again, if we're courting the next gen, is being able to connect the dots mm-hmm. and and show that we're not just running a conference. You know, one of the analogies I love to use is we, we, our team is not curing cancer, but we're helping people who do. And so by, by delivering this event for people who are on the front lines or, you know, involved in the healthcare profession, various different types of healthcare, we're enabling them to be better. And we're also enabling them to reduce their stress or feel better. And so trying to connect those dots, I think, helps getting people on board. You know, Carol, you had talked about being one of the, you know, top three most stressed out industries or groups. Um, You know, I'm always curious when I see women that, you know, obviously you're very successful, you've worked your way up in your career, you're high level, you know, how, how do you like, what's a morning routine or a ritual that you um, commit to that, that kind of helps you deal with that stress? Well, I'll tell you, truth be told, I have an hour to an hour and a half commute every day. So that that sometimes will add to my stress, but I put it to good use by listening to podcasts and, you know, other ways to just do my own self-development so that it's it, it's an easy drive for me. 
But prior to that, I'm an early riser. I get up and mainly because I have an hour and a half commute sometimes, but I'm an early riser. I get up and the first thing I do is like literally I stretch and I like spend some time just on some physical aspect. I'm not an early morning workout person. I'm an evening workout person, but I will just kind of prepare myself for the day. And um, I have an amazing little dog. And so, you know, I'll take her for a walk. My, if my husband's up, he's, he's an early morning runner and uh, workout guy. <laughs> so he leaves at 4.30. I'm getting up around 5.15. And so, you know, you get into a routine, but you kind of mentally set yourself up for anything can happen today. And having a positive outlook on that, like not, oh, anything can happen today, but anything can happen today. And what are we going to do with it? How do we make the best of it and, you know, help those who are working with us learn from those experiences. I think it's mostly mental um, as it relates to the stress. Because when you think about what planners are dealing with, we're dealing with inflation, we're, you know, obviously rising costs, you know, the, obviously the talent um, challenges, you know, within almost every major city in terms of being able to service your events. Um, you know, you never know what's going to happen with, you know, the latest health situation, but managing that, you know, all different dynamics are all coming onto the planner and they're having to manage through that. So mental health, stress management is critically important to them. So Carol, what was your most memorable between the sessions activity or experience? Well, I, they run the gamut. And so I would say um, probably the most memorable because it was big impact was a small venue of, of fewer than 2,000 people for a private concert that we ran with Zach Brown. And oh. I happen to be a huge Zach Brown fan. So <laughs> me it was too. Like super, super awesome for me. Um, so that's like big impact, kind of, you know, major budget. So it was an association that had a lot of money um, so that they could, could have that kind of experience. I would say where it might differ is where we do a give back in a local community, whether that be, you know, going out to a local school and bringing volunteers out with us, all part of the community of the event that the folks are attending. And we do a CSR type of project and seeing the impact of something like that is equal in many ways to Zach Brown. And then my third example, because I know you only asked for one, but I'll give you three. It was my first in-person after COVID. And it was coming back with other like-minded individuals and just being together and experiencing what we all know and love for so many years and saying, we're back, this feels right, let's keep this going. And so that was probably the most recent and most meaningful experience. Most emotional too, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just got chills hearing you talk about it because- yeah. I remember that time and just, you know, when, when we all started to come back in all the industries, it just felt so good, you know? It, it was, and it was because it was like, we made it, we're here, and now we have a renewed energy to take events to the next level. And let's harness that energy for good, bringing new experiences, because what we did before COVID is not what we're doing now in terms of event design and event experiences for our clients. Really? What do you mean by that? Well, again, it, you know, people learned that through COVID, you know, maybe I, maybe the Zoom thing could work for me. And, you know, obviously there's Zoom fatigue, but some folks, because of just using budget cuts said, I can just be virtual. 
Well, if you take an event that you did before and you now just stream it live and it's the same event that you can get online, even though the experience is not exactly the same, why would you spend the money and time, personal time, to go to that event? So you have to design with the, in, with the experience in mind. So you design the in-person event to be one thing. And if it's hybrid, true hybrid, you design the virtual event to be another thing. You also, people have had time over COVID to think about, well, do I want to go now? Do I want to spend that time? It's more of a personal decision. Certainly you have to balance the business decision, but it's like, do I want to take a weekend? Do I, do I want to go to the city? So all of those factors come into play. So more the, more the reason to create a unique, different experience for those attendees so that they want to go, they don't just have to go. Do you have a lot of friends that want you to plan their parties? Um, so, so having been in that position, uh, you know, my friends will joke about the fact that nothing will happen unless I'll plan it. And so I always give everyone the option once, okay, you guys want to try to take charge, go ahead. If not, I'm going to bring it. And that's usually what winds up happening. So yes. That's amazing. So we always end on a segment called swag stuff. We all get, which, you know, I'm sure you know about swag, but our segment swag is really more about advice. Um, so what is the one tip or piece of advice that you want to share with our listeners? Well, if you are new to the profession, say this is one of the, you've just started and you're going to be going on maybe your first or second on-site. I cannot, I've seen so many young professionals wearing these really flat shoes that you can tell probably aren't going to last the week. (laughs) Take, go to your paycheck, either save for, for a month or take money and buy two really good pairs of shoes and bring both. And they have to be comfortable. They don't have to be pretty. They just have to be comfortable. Because I can tell you, having done this for 35 years, I wish I knew that then (laughs) because my life would be a little bit different right now for sure. That is great advice. (laughs) I would say for someone who's a little bit more experienced, again, the practical business aspect of really collaborating with your local partners. I I can't say enough how important that is because they are a wealth of knowledge. They are going to help you get to your end goal much faster by bringing knowledge of the city, relationships, new thinking, opportunities that you may not have thought about don't don't underestimate the value of working with your local partners. And Carol, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? The best way would be to probably email me, which is cmickgurry, M-C-G-U-R-Y at smithbucklin.com. And I would love questions or, you know, just feedback. That would be awesome. Carol McGurry, the Executive Vice President of Event and Education Services at Smith Buckland. Thank you so much for joining us today. Very, very insightful. Thank you, Suzanne. It was really a lot of fun. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Between the Sessions. We are coming out with new episodes the second and fourth Thursday of the month, but you can keep up with us 24-7 online on LinkedIn. Just search The Palm Beaches or head to thepalmbeaches.com slash meetings. I'm your host, Suzanne Boyd, and this has been Between the Sessions. 